Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Thank you. Welcome to the Colosseum. I'm calling it the Colosseum. Normally we don't set up our chairs like that. Um, Good Friday, we wanted to do something very different. Hope that if you were here that you enjoyed um, and really felt that... um, it was a really special morning, wasn't it, Dick? Uh, we, we have a few photos, videos of girls sitting there, and they were all crying. So we're going to post that up because that's what represents our church, crying girls. <laughs> but, you know, it's really, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I was like, let's set up normal because as the speaker, I'm like, where do I look? Do I? And, and the problem with this is that someone is always in my bold spot. Not blind spot, my bald spot. So if I'm over here, you can see that my hair's thinning. Whereas if I'm over here, then other people can see. So yeah, I'm kind of becoming a bit like my dad-in-law. So, And uh, I wanted to go back to our normal setup, but we are a Christian church, so apparently we are democratic. And so Christian values and all of that. So here we are. Um, but it's Easter Sunday, and it's really amazing that all of you are here this morning, and I just want to thank you for giving us your time, because I, I believe that there's something really powerful and special about this season and this time, and, and often in our culture, I know that Jetstar was telling you that if you took three days off, you get a 10-day long uh, holiday, and so the fact that you're here means that you value this somehow, some way, and I just want to appreciate you for that, and, um, and, and I love Easter Sunday. And, and I don't know if this is your experience, but if you are like me, Good Friday is, is, is a really solemn, very almost like you, you have to be kind of extra reverential uh, when you're in church. It's kind of like, yeah, we are remembering that Jesus died. And, um, and Jesus' death is absolutely crazy fantastic what God was trying to achieve through uh, his sacrifice and and I don't want to play that down at all but I don't know about you but sometimes I feel like Sunday two days later when we come back uh, as a church it kind of feels like this is party central you know what I mean like everyone's actually allowed to smile at church now you're allowed to wear other colors other than black although some people still choose to wear black and 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 it feels like this is you know we we, we crack out the chocolate eggs and we pump endorphins into people and you're allowed to be happy and it's a celebration and it's amazing. And sometimes it feels like the resurrection in the midst of all of that is a little bit lost. Because Good Friday is about celebrating Jesus' death. Easter Sunday is about remembering His resurrection. And we place such a heavy emphasis on Jesus' death and I'm wondering whether we place an equal emphasis on the resurrection. And, and, and as I was thinking about this, I remember when I was 18 and I had just become a youth leader at, um, at my church and it was, it, it was good fun. I enjoyed, I still enjoy youth group. I enjoy getting around young people and it's good fun. But this, uh, there was a particular guy and he always liked to ask difficult questions. You know, those young people that think that they know everything and so they try to ask you really dumb but also really hard questions like did Adam and Eve have belly buttons and I'm like well I don't know do you have a brain um anyway that was a bit mean but I was 18 I've repented 
And, and this young person, I, I think this was actually a genuine question. And this person asked me, this, this boy asked me this question, if Jesus knew that he was going to rise from the dead, was his death really that big a sacrifice? I don't know if you ever thought about it, but I'm wondering whether in our world today we celebrate and we emphasize Jesus' death because it's easy for us to see the sacrifice, it's easy for us to make it really special that someone would die for you, but I'm wondering whether it's a little bit harder to say someone rose from the dead for you. And so I was with this boy, as I said, I was probably somewhat um, unrepentant at that stage and, and he was saying what's the significance of Jesus's death if he knew he was going to rise again I probably said something along the lines of well why don't you go to the cross and find out how much of a sacrifice it is um, that was meant to be a joke people <laughs> no one got that coming to college are you not entertained um, you guys don't watch movies you're holy people but honestly, I'm wondering whether we know the significance of um, the resurrection. What's so significant about Jesus' resurrection? And as I was preparing for this morning and I was looking into um, the, the, the early days of the church after Jesus rose from the dead and, and went back to heaven. And, and so we looked, I looked in the book of Acts and I saw what the early church was excited about. And what I found was not so much that they were preaching about Jesus' death as much as they seem to emphasize his resurrection. Let me read a few passages for you. Acts 2, 31. This was Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. This was literally after they received the Holy Spirit. And he said, he spoke resurrection And he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. And in Acts 4, verse 2, the apostles were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Acts 4, 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10.40, But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Acts 17.18, Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. As you can see, yes, the death, of course, if you want a resurrection, there must be a death. But the early church was particularly excited about the resurrection. They were particularly stirred up into action because of the resurrection. In fact, before the resurrection and, and looking solely on the death, there was no early church. There's, the disciples were, were scattered. They, they, were, they were like, well, this is gone. This is finished. This is over. And, and, and they were even thinking of going back to their old way of living. They were, they were going back into uh, to fishing or, or, or kind of going back to their old lifestyles, but it was because of the resurrection that something took place in their hearts. And, and I'm wondering whether in today's world, because we have gotten so used to hearing about Jesus' death and resurrection, that we might forget the power of the resurrection. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to point out three things to help you understand the significance of the resurrection. And the first thing is this, that God's intention for us was never to see death. And that is the whole basis of, uh, of what I want to talk about. We need to understand that God's design for us was never to meet death. When God created Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees in the middle. Do you guys remember the story? One of the trees was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other tree was the tree of life. Awesome. You get an egg. Uh, all of you get eggs. I feel like Oprah. You get an egg. And... Um, 
And Jesus, not sorry, not Jesus, Adam and Eve were in the garden and they had been told by God not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is where I was confused as a kid. But God did not actually stop Adam and Eve from eating of the tree of life. In fact, he was, go, go to town on the tree of life. That is a great tree. If you want a fruit, tree of life. Eat from this, have life. It was only after they had sinned by disobeying God and eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God said this in Genesis 3.22. It says, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So if you can see that before they, they sinned, they were given full permission to eat from the tree of life and live and this is where, for me as a younger person, I struggle with this verse because God seemed to be withholding something from humanity, right? It's like, why, why is it that God is saying you're not allowed to eat from that, and now that you're eating like that, you have had your eyes open, and you are now like God, and now you're not allowed to live? Was God, you know, was He threatened by us? Do you think God was kind of like, ooh, Maybe they will want my throne. Maybe they will now do something crazy to dethrone me. There's going to be a coup run by the humans to throw me down. Well, if you think that that's what was going on, just cast your mind to a few chapters later with Noah and the Ark. If you guys like the Avengers, Thanos had this amazing thing. He snapped his finger and half the population died. Well, God somehow wiped out all of humanity except for one family. If God was really worried about competition, he would have wiped us all out already. God's not worried about competition. There was something much deeper happening. And, and we spoke about this, I think it was end of last year, when we, when we talked about this story and we talked about what is it that our eyes were open to. God wasn't worried that we were becoming like Him because He already created us to be like Him. It says in Genesis, uh, that in the creation account, it says, let us make man in our image. In my image, I'm making humankind. God already created us to be like Him. But there was an element that he did not put into our existence and this is the knowledge of good and evil and it's not an external knowledge of good and evil is an internal awareness of good and evil within us it is the effect of shame on our lives we talked about it last year and and what God was actually saying is that now that human beings have experienced something that was never intended for them it is now going to ruin them and they're going to be living in this brokenness and their pain for all of eternity if they live for all of eternity. And we can see that right after they ate of that fruit, they, Adam and Eve suddenly became aware of their nakedness, aware of their shame, and they were now scared. There was no fear before the fall. But the moment the fall came in, they were wrecked with fear, they were wrecked with shame, and they wanted to hide. And God looked at that and said, that is not how they've been created to be. In fact, being removed from access to the tree of life was an act of grace. God was saying, I am not going to make you live or allow you to live in this brokenness for all of eternity. I'm going to remove you from access to that life. And then our lives got cut short to what it is today. Because we were never meant to have that awareness, but we were always intended to have access to life. 
That's the first point that we need to understand, that God has always intended for us to enjoy life. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That was 2 Corinthians 5 21. Because God saw that sin breaks us, leaves us a shell of what we were intended to be. And so what he did, instead of just leaving us there and giving us access to life, he said, I'm going to give you a restoration to the original plan. And so that's why we celebrate Good Friday, because Jesus took on the death that was intended for us. That was meant, not intended, sorry, but was meant for us, a consequence of our sin. We talked about that on Friday, that God is a just God, that that needs to be consequence for our sin. And that's how he shows that he is a just God. We would not have a judge over us that is not, um, that is too afraid to give out punishments. We would not allow a judge to judge in our land if they were too soft and not able to give the appropriate consequences for a person's actions. In the same way, God is a just judge and there is a consequence, but that consequence Jesus took, even though he had no sin, he became sin so that he was able to take that consequence from us. So Jesus' death was a substitute that gives us access to the original plan of God. But here's the thing that I started to realize. For death to no longer be an issue for humanity, God needed to deal with the issue not just of sin, but of death. And that is why the resurrection is significant, because God's original design for us was to have life. And so the resurrection is a restoration to that original plan to have life. Without the resurrection, there is a dealing with the sin, but there isn't a dealing with death. And that is what Jesus was doing when he resurrected from the dead. He was defeating sin. In Romans 6 verse 4, it says this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life life just as we were buried with death as jesus resurrected we are now resurrected along with him and that is something theologically speaking there is a now and then as well in the sense that with this new life we have access to a portion of it but it's not fully fully realized until eternity comes. And, and, and what I'm trying to uh, explain here is that God brings us life. The resurrection is something that we should celebrate because the significance is that it brings us life. Good Friday deals with sin. Resurrection deals with life. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever follows me will not taste death. You guys are not very excited this morning because I don't know about you, but the whole thing about having life given to me is amazing. But I guess there's a point, right? That us as Christians, for, for you, if you've actually tried to live out a life as a Christian, you've had Jesus and you, as your Lord and your Savior, you said that prayer, and then you look at your life and you go, well, this new life doesn't look very different from the old life. Anyone ever experienced that before? 
And, and so maybe right now you're not that excited because the new life doesn't seem that new and the old life still seems very present. So what is going on here? Especially because Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, we love this verse here at Lyft and, and um, we love it in the message version and it says, Jesus said that I have come that you might have real and eternal life, more and better life. That is always God's intention for us to have life. So why is it that we have not got that access to life? It's because we still have to walk out that life. That is something that is, it was never available for us until God makes a way for us. And you see, that is something that... Um, that is something that I have wrestled with. And having grown up in a Christian family, I've always known about Jesus. I've always known about this new life. And therefore, for me, it was really strange because I did not really even know whether there was an old life that God was dealing with. You get what I mean? It was, for me, it was always like, well, I've always been a Christian, so does that mean that there's nothing really new for me? You know what I mean? Any Christian from birth people in this room? You know, like, have you ever wondered that? But I think as the more I went on, the more I realized that even though I had always known about Jesus and from a really young age, before I could do drugs, murder anyone, do any crazy sins, I already accepted him into my life. But there was still stuff that hadn't been dealt with. There were still sinful desires and all of that stuff inside of me. And, and when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it was still a process of walking into that new life for me. And one of the things that I realized is that this new life is not just the old life with add-ons. I think I need to say that again. The new life that God brings is not your old life with add-ons. This new life that you receive in Jesus isn't just you get to keep doing everything the same way, but now you get to win the lottery too. You know, this new life isn't now you, you, you get to do everything the same way and you will get the relationship of your dreams. It's not that you get that promotion just because you've said yes to Jesus or, or you get to live a more comfortable life. It's, it's, the new life in Jesus is like a renovation. Is a full-on internal renovation. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, it says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what God is doing in this new life isn't just simply the old life with add-ons. It is a complete renewal of what is going on the inside. And if you've ever done any kind of renovation whatsoever, one of the things that I really get annoyed about with renovations is that it literally is in the last couple of hours of the full renos. Your renos could be three months long, but it's at the last couple of hours that things begin to take shape. The whole time, it actually looks worse. It actually looks far worse. And it's like, do we really want to do that? You know, you, you, you tear down cupboards in order to make new cupboards. One of the things that I love about Beck is that she really loves our home. She's house proud. 
But the thing about Beck is that she also likes new things. And so even though she's house proud, she always wants to be house prouder. <laughs> and she doesn't do full-on renos, but she moves stuff around. And so one day, the couches will be facing this way, but the next day, they'll be facing that way. I'm like, what was wrong with the old layout? Oh, I'm just trying something new. It's like, okay. But the problem with what she does is that she tends to do this at God-awful times of the day. It's 9.30 at night. Okay, it's time to do some renovations. Why? And then she will move this thing here and move that thing there. And it's like, what do you want to do? Play Maze Runner? It's like, where am I supposed to put my feet? We've lost the cat. Where's the cat? I don't know where's the cat. But there's this process of, and let me say, most of the older time, what Beck wants to do ends up being great. But the process of getting there gets worse before it gets better. And so this new life that God is giving to us is a participation of us working with His renewal process, which often looks like it's getting worse before it gets better. And so many Christians that I know, they say, yes, I want a new life of God, but because they don't understand it, it's a process, they step into this next phase, which is a breaking down of the old ways. And before an establishment of the new ways, which is so much better, they go, oh, this is worse. I'm still struggling. In fact, I feel like I'm struggling even more. I used to be okay with these things, but now I'm struggling because of this new life with God. And so I'm, I feel terrible about myself. I feel like I've got nowhere to go. I feel worse because I feel broken and I'm aware of my brokenness. I would rather be broken than unaware of my brokenness. So maybe I don't want to step into the light of God. I've seen so many people reject the life of God because the process of walking into their new life seems so much worse. Seems like it's a waste or a painful process. And I was, um, you were watching a SBS program called Christians Like Us. I don't know if you've watched it, but Beck and I and Josh, well, we watched the two episodes. It was really interesting. It was really interesting that they called some people Christians when they were like, we hate the church. I was like, hmm, okay. You can call them Christians if you want. I don't. Anyway, hopefully they're not hearing this. <laughs> and um, there was in particular a, a fella in this program that was really hurt and it's terrible. He was sexually abused as a child in the church. Of course he's hurt. Of course he's broken. Of course he's hurting. Of course, it's not great. But this poor guy, in amongst all these other Christians, or people that want to follow Jesus, and he wants to follow Jesus, but often he can't be in the same room as them. They would put on a church service, which is just like, I don't know, 10 of them, playing a couple of songs and running through a few liturgical kind of things, and he would remove himself because he said, it's too painful for me to be in there. And at the end of the program, they interviewed him and, and he said, I came to this program hoping that I would find something within me that will allow me to step back into that space. But what I found is that there's too much pain. And so I've just decided I will never belong to a church again. The thing for me that was really sad is that this guy is hurting. He needs help. 
But the process of getting help is going to bring up the pain, is going to bring up the hurt, is going to bring up the wounds, is going to feel terrible. But he wasn't willing to journey through that in order to get to healing. And so he's decided for himself, I'm going to remove myself from that. How many of us believe that the resurrection doesn't bring true life to us because right now we're in a process of healing? How many of us have forgotten that the resurrection did take place because right now it feels a whole lot worse ever since I came to Jesus? I'm speaking true Christianity here. I'm not giving you this fluffy drive-through Christianity where you get your Big Mac on a cross and then you can go home and live your life and, and Christ is an add-on to all. No, 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 no. Christ gives us new life, original life, which looks nothing like your current life. There are things that are going to be broken down. There are desires that need to be broken down. And the thing that I've done, uh, that I've realized more and more as I walk with people and help people, is that their desires might seem true and good and well, but it always is with hidden stuff when hurt is the motivator behind it. That relationship that you dream of, that promotion that you dream of, that, that, that money, that wealth, that recognition that you dream of is going to bring you more pain in the long term, but because you're short-sighted because of your pain. This is something that is so true that I've learned. Wounds always make you short-sighted. Wounds stop you from being able to see long-sightedly. 100% true. If you find in yourself a difficulty in seeing what life could be like five, ten years down the future, if you struggle with that, it's because of wounds. It's because of pain. It's not because you're a realist and you want to live in today's world. It's because your wounds stop you from hoping. And that's the third thing that I want to talk about today about the resurrection, is that the resurrection restores life and it gives us a hope for the future. That is something that is so important for us to recognize. And, and we need to realize that, that there is something more that is about to come. There is access to it now, but there's a process and we need to continue on in that process. And in order to keep on in the process, we need to have hope, which is what the resurrection gives to us. In Hebrews 6, 19 to 20, it says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind a curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered entered on our behalf. Jesus won the resurrection, went through the resurrection so that we can do the same. We do not serve a God who is dead, but we serve a God who is alive. We serve a God who is there for us. I want to read to you one final verse this morning. It comes from Romans 8, 34. It says this, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Not even God. Not even God, no one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Whenever you think that there are things and problems and brokenness and wounds and hurt and pain and suffering going through your life, it's not because God has abandoned you, but it's God bringing you through a process of renewal and because he defeated death I know that I can defeat death in my body as well and yes there is an eternity in heaven but there's also a life to live now there is this hope that I have and I really sense this this morning if you want to look through the resurrection through the lens of your wounds it's going to mean nothing to you 
If you want to look at it through the lens of God is restoring an original design that he always wanted you to have. It is the most beautiful thing. The longer I go through my journey, the more I realize I have to change. I thought that by the time I hit my 30s, I would be a saint. Cry tears of holy oil upon my porcelain face. It hasn't happened. The more I journey through this life, I'm like, why is that? Why is that brokenness still there? Why is that struggle still there? Why haven't I gotten through that? And it's so easy in that moment to go, you know what, maybe I'm just not good enough. And yes, there have been moments where I go, well, maybe God doesn't really want to deal with this. If that is you this morning, that couldn't be further from the truth. It says in the Bible that God knit you together before you were born, knowing that there would be a season where things take you away from his love, his care, and his family. But he also knew that there was a process of renewal that he has prepared in order to bring you back to life. The whole narrative of the resurrection is amazing. This whole idea of new life means that there is a death before new life can take place. There is some stuff in us that we need to let go of before new life can take place. It's great that we don't have to suffer the same way that Jesus did on the cross, but I'm glad that I serve a God who didn't just die for me, but also rose on my behalf so that he could win this new life for me so that I can go through this process of renewal because I know that there is life ahead of me. So don't stop in the middle of your renewal. Don't stop if you're still in the middle of your pain. Don't stop if you're still in the middle of your struggle because there's better ahead for you. The more that I walk through this process, the more resurrection life is, is living in me, is guiding me, is awakening something great in me. So many people as Christians, you are just waiting for that add-on from God. God is saying, I'm not giving you an add-on. I'm giving you something completely new. I'm giving you something completely original. Don't settle for what is left settle for what God has got for you and this morning I'm here to tell you that because he rose again there is that new life that's ahead for you that death is broken it cannot win unless you let it so I'll put to death my old self in order that God's life might be seen in me it sounds morbid to some people it sounds crazy to some people but I know me if I let that old self continue to rule me, I've got nothing left. Death is all that I'm going to find. So I'd rather crucify that in order that God can fill me with new life. You know, in the next few weeks, we're going to continue our series on grace and I hope that you can make it here with us because I do want to continue to speak to you about this process of finding this life that God has for you, what God is wanting for you, what, what God has already promised you, and how we can respond and receive what God has. That's what the next few weeks is about. But this morning, we're going to get the band up. Let's get the band up now. This morning, in this moment, I want to stand with you. I want to pray with you. If you're hearing this and you go, you know what, I am in that dark place. I'm looking for hope. 
I'm looking for life. I'm looking for something more, and I can't find it. If that is you this morning, I would love to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus into your life as your Lord and your Savior, that you can start this process or continue a process that you have put on hold for a while, that God's resurrection life can really take hold of you and live through you. So everyone with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, this is a private moment. If everyone can just say this prayer with me, dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I want to let go of death. I want to let go of my old self. And I want what you have for me. Forgive me. I invite you in. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.